0: This is the John Oakley Show podcast. And away we go. It's that time of the program where we get down to it with our panel. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, pound 3636. And we're joined in the studio by Alyssa Freeman, PR and pop culture media expert. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. Rocco Rossi with us, the CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. How's Rocco? Tell them what they've won, Johnny. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're here, so obviously (laughs) they're on the winning side of things. Kevin Goodet, rounding out the panel, the president of Bright Point Strategy, formerly head of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. How's Kevin?
1: I'm living the dream, thank you. Glad that the, the Ritz were issued in Alberta today.
0: Well, alright, uh, when you're living the dream, evidently you've not been paying attention to the budget just <laughs> yes. now. What the hell that's, are you talking that's, about? That's a nightmare. <laughs> alright. Well, and you know, uh, your successor, Aaron Woodrig's come out with his uh, missive that he does inevitably after every budget, saying that uh, this government can't even keep its uh, spending plans uh, based on previous budgets, like 2017. Uh, program spending was supposed to be projected this fiscal year to $328 billion. it's now projected to be 339. They can't control spending, and he's also saying, okay. They put up uh, a bunch of boutique tax measures, but there's no broad-based tax relief for Canadian families. And you say what?
1: I say Aaron's bang on. The problem with governments running large deficits like this really are twofold. One, the deficits of today are the taxes of tomorrow. So they're not just borrowing money or our money. They're borrowing our kids' money. Um, and there's an opportunity cost on the program front eventually when you pay all this money to banks and bondholders in due course, you end up having to starve national defense spending, health care spending, so grandma won't get her hip and our and ships won't get their missiles. These are, the, these are the consequences of governments who refuse to make difficult choices about their spending. And this government's been, you know, typical. They've got a a, a sprinkler approach to spending in this budget, and I don't think it's going to bear, And you know, it, the grass won't rise from it.
2: Yeah,
0: and the idea that, you know, uh, we've fallen on a softer economy now, so uh, they have to up the spending, stimulus, or investments, if you will. Rocco, We you're have smirking. to spend
2: more in good times and spend even more in slightly less good times. Uh-huh. And we never pay back anything. And um, look, we at the Ontario Chamber of Commerce were looking for a focus on competitiveness uh, and... I don't see it. There's there's a a little bit for a lot of things that adds up to another big deficit uh, number that um, is really not particularly responsible.
0: All right. And uh, again, Aaron Woodrick and the Canadian Taxpayers Federation saying the federal debt now projected to rise to seven hundred sixty one billion by twenty twenty four. The debt interest costs alone will jump from twenty six billion per year in two thousand nineteen to thirty three billion per year. By 2024, that's the feds, then you got the province uh, running. And that's at generationally low interest rates. Right, yeah. And uh, so what we have here is uh, something that's, uh, what, systemic. It's built right into this and we'll never get out from under it. So to your point, Kevin, I mean, it shackles uh, future generations. But the idea that this kind of stuff, I'm wondering, uh, do millennials pay attention to this? I mean, they threw them a bone with the home ownership thing to give them, you know, a chance to dip into their RRSPs up to $35,000 and, uh, the CMHC would help out with, uh, some of the down payment. We don't know the detail on that. Uh, does this stuff compute, do you think with governments or is there some other reason that, you know, millennials may be starry eyed and see that the liberals, you know, are uh, doing a good job because they're losing that support. It's eroded according to, uh, an aggregate of polls out this week.
3: You know, you raise a really good point about millennials, John, and that's it, that they're always looking towards their future. And we have told our millennials that the future is always brighter. Work hard and you will achieve your dream. And I think that those dreams are becoming farther and farther away, especially with uh, home ownership. And as I was coming in today and I was listening to some of the calls on the way down, you know, if you have $35,000 in your RSP, you can use it against, you know, to buy a new home. and And All those people, all the millennials who called in said, I don't have $35,000. So I think that, and we were talking about this earlier, and I think that millennials are starting to see that, you know, a better life, a good life, or at least that one that was commensurate with their parents is no longer within reach. And I think they are starting to pay attention to this type of thing. And I know that when I heard those deficit numbers on the way down, I literally, it, it shook me. It really shook me, and I have heard deficit numbers before, and I think that we've all said, oh, yes, 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 we've always carried deficits. But I think that this year, and especially as we're entering a softer economy, I think people are paying more attention.
0: Kevin, how do we get out of
1: structural deficits? Actually, I think it's hard to say the word no. So you you need politicians who can do two things. One, they have the, the, the fortitude to say the word no, and two, they have the ability to translate the economic conversations, the boring data quote conversations, into anecdotes and stories, where, where they they have to be able to translate opportunity cost and language into stories that relate to people. Um, you know, I I'm 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 looking at the the two two millennials working the board, and I'm curious to see you know how does any of this relate to them because it's you know it's their future, our kids who are going to have to pay this off, you know, do, they, you know, do the people on the board have $35,000 in RASP socked away? I mean, maybe reducing the interest rate or freezing it uh, for a period of time saves them a small amount of money, but does that really move the needle? I, I, I doubt it.
0: All right. Well, some of the other things, the line item I'll go through here, uh, they're talking about... Uh, A Pharmacare type of program, creating a new Canadian drug agency to centralize the evaluations of the effectiveness and efficiency of new drugs and buy in bulk nationwide instead of province by province. You know, uh, there are a lot of people clamoring for this Rocco Rossi, that somehow it will be uh, cost savings, efficiencies, and so on and so forth, resistance coming from insurers and maybe pharma uh, companies and so on and so How do you see it?
2: Well, let's be clear. There isn't a Pharmacare program in this budget. What there is is a drug agency which is going to be volume buying, and that's something that, uh, quite fr- frankly, has been on offer for s- some time, and and uh, certainly the big pharmaceutical companies are prepared to come to the table and have that kind of discussion. What they've also added is some significant dollars on uh, for so-called orphan diseases or more rare diseases where you have very, very high costs, uh, for those individuals, and um, it, but but it's not PharmaCare, and we at the Ontario Chamber have have called on the government to understand that there there is a private payer system out there as well in terms of insurance, and we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just focus on those specific elements that are being left behind by the current. Uh, as opposed to layering on
0: yet another very expensive um, system that we can't afford to pay for. Yeah, and what you mentioned, these uh, orphan drugs, $500 million a year starting in 2022 yes. to subsidize the cost of drugs for rare diseases whose high costs are distributed among very few patients. So yeah. 2022, yeah. you know... <laughs>
1: maybe, but, maybe three years, three budgets from now. Yeah, right. and, a new, but, and a new government.
0: Right, but, you know,
2: it, those kinds of things... I actually have less of an issue with than than my favorite, which is that Transport Canada is going to get five million over three years to work with uh, auto manufacturers to get them to set voluntary sales targets for zero emission. I mean, like, come on. Uh, yeah, I just uh, don't get me started. What, what liberal friends getting the contract to
1: do that negotiation? Right, you know, it's one point seven million a year over three years, and talk about a tiny little issue in the budget.
3: You know, typically you have some sort of hope after you hear a budget. Like typically, you know, you try and do something for everybody. This is just really, you said it earlier. It's a sprinkler approach to try and give something yeah. to to everybody. It's, but it's, honestly, it's, it's it has not even no... a chicken
2: in every pot. And, it's not even and, a chicken wing in and, every and, pot. I, I
3: said that to Kevin, and you know what? It's, it, it seems like it, it's sort of like one big nothing. Honestly, I think it's got about a forty-eight hour
1: news cycle, and then it's gone. I'll tell you. I'll tell you how it's. It looks to me like it's crafted. So we have an election can election election campaign coming up, and. Interest groups are going to be asking the government, "What are you doing for us?" Interest group X will say, "I'm, you know, I'm a senior, I'm a student, I'm, I'm an X. What are you doing for us?" And it's almost like the the budget has been crafted as, as a narrative, a, as a one page response to each yeah. of those peculiar little interest groups, so they can send out the one pager. Even though it's three bullets, it's a chicken wing, you know, to quote Rocco. Um, I'm not convinced this is going to do for them. I'm a little bit surprised at the absence of a a focus or a macro narrative here, to be candid.
0: Well, uh, and your uh, successor at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, Aaron Woodrick, calls these boutiques a boutique tax measures, and the government missed an opportunity to offer broad-based tax relief to Canadian families. Our tax code is already mind-bogglingly complex, and it needs to be simpler, not more complicated. We'll come back. There are more topics worthy of discussion with Kevin Goodet, Alyssa Freeman, Rocco Rossi, on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. The opposition would like to see us make cuts. Thanks for listening to The John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.